Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This morning on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. It's The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback out of Ohio State. Play action. He's going to drop the throw on first down. Steps up in the pocket. Taking a shot downfield for Nico Collins. He's got it. And he's going to score a touchdown. That's a 75-yard bomb. Stroud, shotgun snap. He's going to pass. Throws upfield wide open in the middle of the formation is Andrew Beck. And not a Colts player within about 10 yards of any direction of him. Minshew to Taylor. Jump cuts his way. Big run. Angling left. 40. He's at the 30. Down the near sideline. 20. 15. 10. 5. Touchdown! Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! Jonathan Taylor. A 49-yard gallop to Paydirt. And here's an RPO. They float it upfield to Big Mo Cox. The two-point conversion is good. The Colts need to take away here on defense in the worst possible way. Stroud under center, unbalanced line to the left side. Straight give to Singletary. Breaks it out right, and he dances away into the end zone for a touchdown. And the Texans have just retaken the lead again. It is fourth and a yard for the Colts. The line of scrimmage is the 15-yard line. Texans 23, Colts 17, fourth down and one. Goods in the back left. Minshew out of the gun. Bolts down by six. Minshew's going to throw. Caught. No, it's dropped. Dropped the ball. The far left he dropped the ball. He had he a first down, but he dropped the ball in the far flat. He could not bring in the catch. I worked too hard to, you know, just drop the ball like that. And I got to accept that opportunity, and that's okay. It's still touch my hands. It's all good. Man, I thought it was a great call. Great, perfect look. I throw it to Getty a million times over, like... You know, it was just one of those plays. There's a lot of thoughts going through in that situation on the timeout. Um, like I said, saw the look, that play, thought it was going to be great. Got the look, didn't, you know, didn't happen for us. That's the season. That, that's it right there. And so castles made of sand fall in the sea eventually. Yeah, you know, Kevin, I don't mind saying that that's some sad sound at 7.02 in the morning. That is some sad, sad sound, and we'll talk about it here for the next three hours here on the Wake Up Call. As always, on this Reaction Monday, broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studio. Mark Dighton putting that together. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. 239-1070. We'll take some calls today. We'll hear from Stike and Goodson, Taylor, Franklin, all the players there, Minshew as well. Uh, Kevin, you were out there. A good morning to you. Just a uh, just an unreal night. It looked like the Colts were going to be playoff bound and heartbreak. The very end, the final call, the final fourth quarter series. We'll talk about it all here for the next three hours. Good morning, man. How are you doing? Yeah, good morning to you. I think Nico Collins just caught another pass, by the way. Um, I know we'll get a lot into fourth and one today, but to me, that's the bigger uh, you know coaching issue, if you will, execution issue from Saturday night. You know, I I say this probably annually, Andy, about the NFL season, but especially in the last 36 hours, it is such a finality to it. And, you know, if you look at the results yesterday, we could be talking about Saturday at 4.30, Colts hosting Browns. And and I think that is what the stinging feeling will be. I think 
this will linger for a little bit longer than I would have thought, just in how the nature of that game unfolded, the ending to it. Again, the fact that Houston now is your division champ, and they, again, are going to host Cleveland coming up on Saturday. Uh, that, to me, is probably what this January feeling is going to be like for quite some time. Uh, you know, mentioned it late in the week last week. These opportunities just don't grow on trees, and they aren't givens. Um, you know, when you even look at next year's schedule, and you look at the AFC South in general, you expect the conference to be you know, on the uptick, and the schedule's a little bit tougher next year. Uh, and boy, so much of it, I thought, was just sitting on a platter for you. And, um, you know, the reason that uh, I, I kind of went away from they've got C.J. Stroud, but they don't have anything else was because I thought the Colts would neutralize Nico Collins a little bit. They did not do that. And then obviously the fourth and one call we'll get to today. But again, just such a stinging, heartbreaking feeling to a season that had so much good around that. Well, I think that's the thing. And again, you're right. I mean, we'll hear from Steichen. Now, he's speaking today, right? In the 9 o'clock hour. We may try to effort giving you uh, that sound yeah, on the back end. locker room clean out later uh, this morning. I have seen our guy JMV's been going back and forth with people this morning on Twitter, Kevin. And the only reason I bring it up is I think they're arguing about what is going to be the conversation here for the next few days, the next few weeks into the offseason. And that, you know, the Colts fans to a certain extent because of the last couple years going back to to Andrew Luck walking away during the preseason and you know kind of patchworking quarterbacks and being a clown show at times and all those things you know Colts fans are in this weird weird spot to where they're understanding that they weren't going to win the Super Bowl this year but they're also upset at the same time right like they're accepting they're excited about what this team I think gave them I mean this was going to be a season where we talked about they lost with dignity, right? They lost, but ah, Anthony Richardson did this. Shane Steichen and AR were able to accomplish this and that. And in the end, it turned into a winning season. It turned into where you were chasing a playoff spot. And for much, I mean, this is this is what hurts here. For many weeks now, they have been in the playoffs. If the playoffs were to start today, if we were 16 games and not 17 games, the Colts would be in the playoffs. And so I think there is this pull of... Listen, we understand that this team in many ways underachieved, but it goes back to, good God, we'll talk about it for the next several months. It goes back to, why year seven of Chris Ballard are we having to be the little engine that could, uh, if you will. And then, of course, and we'll talk about it all three hours today, the final, I will say, sequence. I know the fourth and one play call is obviously the hot spot, and we'll go to it here. We'll hear all the sound from the guys that were involved, and I can understand fans not being happy at it. At some point here, I want to get to the usage of the timeout because I thought that potentially was questionable. But, I mean, Kevin, there's a bunch of things. You try a 57-yard field goal. Nico Collins doesn't get covered at all. I, I mean, throughout the day, and this was a team that, you know, I mean, saw Will Anderson limping around there. It's just, it's unfortunate because it was there. The Texans were injured, and you had a chance to win that game. It's brutal. It really is. You know, and there's a bigger picture element, Andy, and I tweeted this out yesterday of, you know, for people kind of in our age range, this is the worst postseason rut this franchise has had really in our lifetime, or at least if you want to get technical, maybe the infant stages of our life. And, um, Part of that is a credit to the franchise. You know, certainly during the Peyton era, they were at a historic rate. But now when you look at it, it's nine straight years without a division title, and it's just one playoff win in that time frame. Uh, and 25 other teams, Andy, have won a division title. 
in those nine years. Hell, everybody in the AFC South has won at least two everybody division in the, titles. Everybody in the NFC East has. It's been 19 years where someone different has won that division. So, so that, all four teams have. Again, yeah. that is where, again, this is bigger picture, and that's where the sting from Saturday night is I think you can still have reason for hope and optimism moving forward, but if you want to live in the here and now and the present and the reality of the last 36 hours, again, that's where the disappointment kind of comes into play with you know how things ended on Saturday night for the Colts. Um, like you said, fourth and one is going to be debated endlessly for this team. Um, I do want to focus a little bit here early on the inability to take away Nico Collins. And when we did the show on Friday, Andy, I thought at that point Robert Woods, their number two wideout, would give it a chance to go. I did too. He ended up not playing in the game. And so I was trading texts back and forth with our Houston radio affiliate. And I'm like, dude, you guys have no wideouts besides Collins. He's like, I know. It's like a preseason practice squad group. And if you look at the game, Andy, Nico Collins has nine targets Nine catches, 195 yards. The rest of the Houston wideout group had two catches for 11 yeah, they, yards. They did nothing. I mean, their this names, was their names their, you don't even know. This would be yeah. like the Colts having Michael Pittman Jr. and then DJ Montgomery, Jawan Winfrey, and insert your other wideout here yeah. as the rest of the wideouts. And Collins on the first play of the game, that speaks for itself. Uh, the first play of the second half, he catches a big ball. How many big plays did he make there late? How about that final Houston drive? Second and 20, second and 13, second and 14. They get out of all of those situations with that. Uh, that is an absolute abomination of a coaching performance. Uh, whatever plan you had for Nico Collins. Hell, the first play of the game, could you have missed Julian Blackman right, more? I right. mean, how big of a coverage bust was that? And then you also had a coverage bust on that second touchdown. And I don't know if the conversation is for here and now on the Monday after the game, but you got to have a real conversation about the future of Gus Bradley here in Indianapolis. There was a lot of good that this defense accomplished. I think there are probably some personnel questions that are be fair that that, that are fair to raise as but well. It, but is it just good? But that was the one guy you that could, could have beat, beat you. you. No, they, no run game beat Andrew you. Andrew Beggs, Xavier Hutchinson, Dalton Eric Schultz Schaubert, needs to have 27 Devin catches Singletary. to truly beat you. Yeah. He was the only guy that could really threaten you. And he did. And it was and not just the first play. Hell, take out the first not play. consistent. Okay, take out one no, for 75. He, he burned he Juju Brents until the injury. Yeah. He still has eight for tw- 120 yeah. in this game. So, again, fourth and one, understandably, is going to get talked about a whole, whole lot. But holy hell, the inability to take away the only legitimate threat, and not just take away, that might be too grand of a statement to make for the defense, just somewhat limit, somewhat slow down. If he's 8 for 120, if he's, you know, whatever, 7 for 130, you win that football game. And I think that, to me, the four-quarter ass-kicking that Nico Collins had against you, that is the big damning issue exiting Saturday. It is, and then you've talked about this quite a bit, and let's do this. Uh, I know everyone's got their take on what happened around the two-minute warning, what happened at the end of the game. Let's do that right after our check down coming up at 7.30 so we stay on schedule. And then the other thing, just to throw on top of it, and it even goes back to the end of the game, and there are a myriad of reasons why, but you did not get, you did not get good Gardner Minshew 
on Saturday night, right? I mean, there have been times, there have been games, you can look at the Steelers game to where, you know, he's played well enough, right? To where you've come in here and you've praised him. You've been a little hard on Gardner Gardner Minshew, and rightfully so, but it was just a pedestrian effort, and I'm probably being nice. Yeah, uh, right I after think the you game, are, to be I, honest. I, I think right after the game, I, I felt like he, he, was, he was not very good, and that's the very beginning of the game, and that's all the way uh, to the ball that he put on Goodson. Uh, so, you know, the Gardner Minshew era, it comes to a crashing close as well. And it just stunk to see to see the Texans and they are and I get it because of CJ Stroud they are a national media darling now and to have that team do what they did uh, in your stadium and have it just and I think it's unfortunate for for this group because they did overachieve but in the end when you get to the middle and latter parts of the season as the season goes the expectations changed and Kevin they did they changed from being a nice little old story that would win four, five, six games to being a playoff team uh and and you looked at you I mean you look down the stretch the Cincinnati game the Atlanta game losing three well, and, out and of I the think last that's five stings yeah right and, there it is who you lost to I mean you I mean, lost Atlanta, to Jake look, Browning by three scores look how Atlanta ended their season after you, you. lost to Taylor Heineke yeah, and now fired out. coach and Arthur Smith by three scores if you win that game you're in yeah, it's done it's uh, if you beat Atlanta who that was their last you've good got performance the head over of, Pittsburgh of the and season you're in. and it just it just it just adds to that late season yeah. frustration and, and that, Houston, that's going to cover up the good stuff. That's why I'm Houston saying. Houston tried to give you gifts. I mean, how many penalties for Houston on Saturday night? I think it was 11, maybe even 12 by the end of the night. Uh, again, they were very depleted. That was probably the reason why I went with Indianapolis when it was all said and done. Um, and I think, again, that comes back to the stinging nature 11. of Saturday night. 11 so, for 69. Boy, so many so, pre-snap penalties so many and critical penalties. Well, moments. They miss, they miss an extra point that could have been a big deal. For them. And, and that that uh, that field goal sequence that you brought up as well. The 57-yarder by Gay goes off the right upright, and then they come down. You give them a free three points. And their offense kind of been in a little bit yeah. of a rut or a little slow. Uh, at that point of the game, they come down, they hit the 51-yarder. That's a six-point swing. And obviously that was a huge factor at the end. Uh, certainly tons and tons to get to on this one. As Andy said, we'll lay out uh, what happened there on 4th and 1, give each of our thoughts on that. Certainly hear from you as well. We'll probably take some calls a little bit later here in the 7 o'clock hour, uh, 317-239-1070 for that. The Pacers are back in action, Game 4 of a 5-game homestand. It was a real high moment on Friday and a real low moment on Saturday for them as they split a back-to-back over the weekend. Indiana and Purdue get home Big Ten wins. Uh, Butler squanders an opportunity after having a halftime lead against UConn on Friday night, so we'll touch on all of that and get you set for what is Wild Card Weekend and what could have been the Colts hosting the Cleveland Browns. It will now be the Houston Texans opening up Wild Card Weekend at 4.30 on Saturday. And late last night, if you missed it, it was the Buffalo Bills capturing the final division uh, crown of the season. Miami still makes the playoffs. What a sputter. They are going to be at oh, Kansas man. City. That is our Peacock game yeah, it is. coming yes. up Saturday night. $110 million. Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kills return to Arrowhead. So that is a juicy one coming up in Wild Card Weekend. Thanks for spending this Monday morning with us. It is the Wake Up Call. KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, later on, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll tar- uh, start mixing in some of your calls and thoughts. 239-1070-317-239-1070. Wake up call. KB and Andy here on The Fan. We'll get to some Shane Steichen sound here. Uh, Tyler Goodson will get to their sound here coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, well, let's do this. Let's go back and forth. Obviously, the conversation coming from Saturday night, all day Sunday, and into today will be the end of the game. Will be the fourth down call using the timeout, fourth and one. It was going to come down to that. And Jonathan Taylor not in the game despite despite uh, having the timeout there. Kevin, let's start with you. What did you make of it? You know, this is obviously the number one conversation piece coming from the weekend is the call at the end of the game, and we'll hear from Steichen here in a minute. Yeah, I'm sitting next to Mike Chappell, and I see them huddle up after the timeout, and I notice Tyler Goodson is in there. And I say to Chap, I'm like, oh, wow, Goodson's in there. I, and it said something to the effect of, like, I assume Taylor will be in the huddle as well. You know, there are moments in the game, I think they ran, like, screens to each of them. Sure. I think they threw it to Taylor. Yeah, sure. um, and then all of a sudden, I looked towards the sideline, and I saw Taylor on the sideline. And I was like, whoa, are they really not going to have Taylor on the field? You know, I, I, I am not this, like... This guy must get the football in that situation. But, you know, even as a decoy, I was a little surprised by that. And, you know, how I view this situation is this. If I'm Shane Steichen, I want to be in control as much as possible. You can be in control with the personnel you decide to put on the floor, uh, on the uh, field. You can be in control on the play call. Uh, I, obviously, once the play starts, you're out of control. Um, I want to go down swinging with my horses. Who are your horses? Jonathan Taylor was a Kentucky Derby Triple Crown winner on Saturday night. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. is a horse. Josh Downs, I think, has proven in critical moments that he deserves a touch, even as a rookie. Uh, I would argue that the second-highest-paid offensive line in all of football could be that as well, as they started to lean on Houston a little bit more in the second half. Um, And basically, in saying that you were going to put your season in the hands of Gardner Minshew and Tyler Goodson, Andy, you brought more risk to the table than you needed to. Spot on. You brought spot on two backups into the most pressure-packed situation of the entire season, and you needed both of them to execute. It wasn't just one backup. You need, and honestly, calling Goodson a backup might be a compliment. Uh, I know there's no way to describe Tyler Goodson, who, by the way, I thought handled everything post game beautifully. Felt awful for the kid, um, but he's a practice squad guy. Uh, he's really not even a backup. And so you're saying to both of those dudes, we need you, especially after a timeout, when the pressure even rises more, you, 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 you have an extra minute or two to think about. Well, everyone knows it's coming down to this play. Oh, bleep. You get, like, the, you get the first down, you keep it going. You don't get the first down, the game's over. They're kneeling it down. Shane's yeah. saying, like, this is on us yeah. to make this execute. Um, couple other issues I had in that moment, Andy. It's not like you were writing the hot hand. You know, sometimes maybe late in a basketball game, you deviate from the star player because, you know, whatever, the sharpshooters hit a couple threes. This was not that. Do you recall the one pass Gardner Minshew threw to Tyler Goodson 
in the game before? I don't. The final play no, of the game? I had to go back and, and, and see. I, I remember seeing him in the game, but I don't remember, remember uh, anything that happened with him during the game until then. It was right. also in the red zone. It was on the opposite side yeah. of the field, but in that direction. And that pass was high and outside. No chance for Goodson to catch it. The ball that Minshew threw to him there on fourth and one, I think you could call it low and inside. Low and inside, So it's right. a big contrast from what he threw earlier. And again, I've said so far throughout the show, I would call Saturday night one of Gardner Minshew's worst games of his career. He was a 54% passer in that game, Andy. It's not like he was attempting Hail Marys every single time he dropped back. So you had a guy that was vastly inexperienced in Goodson, six career catches. You had a guy that from an ability standpoint in Minshew was not good whatsoever. And you're saying with the season on the line, to backups that had been either playing poorly or not been used to that moment, here you go. And again, with that, you bring risk. And what does that mean? You're going to throw them in there. There's an opportunity for an errant throw. There's an opportunity for a drop. There's nerves that come into play more so than if Taylor gets the ball or Pittman makes the fourth down play like he's made so often this season or Josh Downs seals the game like he had in various points of this year. I was thinking to myself during the timeout, rub route, Pittman and, and, and Downs, two very different body types, two guys you trust, whoever's open, boom. How about Taylor and Moss in the backfield together? Maybe it's one of those you fake to Taylor right, and pitch the Ma- other way. Moss yeah. on the fullback yeah. dive, and now you're behind Nelson and behind Kelly, and it's de- a depleted Houston D-line, especially in the interior, that you're running at. Those were some of the thoughts that I had in that moment there. Instead... Uh, It was a backup quarterback, an undrafted practice squad player, and you put all of your eggs in that basket after the timeout. Uh, It was bad clock management, which I know you probably want to harp on a little bit more. Uh, And it was just too much risk for me in that moment. I'm not saying Taylor 1,000% needed the football. He needed to be on the field, and you had many, many more other reliable options that give you more of a safety net, more of a security than saying, here you go, two backups. I need one of you to throw it accurately, the other you to catch it and be put in situations that you've never been put in in the NFL. Let me ask you, let me just ask you this before we continue. If it would have been JT out of the game, but Zach Moss out in the flat, how would you have felt? Just take Goodson out of it. It's Zach Moss, who obviously played in the game early in the season. He made some nice catches. So right. much like, damn, I didn't know he could catch the ball like that. I'm just asking because the Goodson makes it pretty black or white that they should not have left the season in Tyler Goodson's hands, period. Right. I, I no just, one buys that. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would have loved Moss, but... I, You're more accepting of I it. I think we fall into this trap so time where you hear coaches after a game say, we have full belief in our players. I think that is such a BS comment. That's not reality. There's a reason why some players play more than others. There's a reason why Nico Collins gets nine targets in the game and all those other Houston wideouts nobody's heard of don't get nine targets in a game. Um, Shane even said it late in the press conference. He said late in that presser, Andy, this league is all about the players. If that's the case, then why wasn't it players over plays in that moment? He opted for plays over players. And to me, again, Should Taylor have been in there? Was he a little hobbled? Okay, I can listen to some of that, but there are plenty of options between Taylor and Goodson that offer you more of a security, eliminate some of that risk in there. So I thought in that moment, it was a mistake by Shane Steichen to put all of his eggs in the basket of a backup quarterback and a practice squad running back who had just had an incredibly errant throw and target earlier in the game to 
theoretically win the game. Well, I, I did love after the game, they're like, you know, they made it a point to tell us that they practiced that play. And I'm like, well, I hope you practiced that play. And go, I'll add this ahead. to that comment. <laughs> um, I asked Jonathan Taylor specifically. I said to Taylor at the end of his scrum, and I, I don't know, maybe some people don't care about this, but I thought everybody, I thought Taylor, I thought Goodson, I thought, you know, Shane even, Minshew, I thought they all handled things very well post game. But I said to Taylor, did you specifically practice that play in practice? And he said yes. He said that yeah. he, along with all of the running backs, practice that play in in practice. But instead, a guy with six career catches who, you know, has never been in that moment. Forty some like, odd there's a re- you know, again, yeah. and there's no way I say this, Andy, without it coming as a shot at, at Tyler Goodson. There's a reason why he was undrafted. I mean, he was a four four forty yard dash guy at Iowa. I think Big Ten fans will remember his name. He was highly productive at Iowa. Those guys don't go undrafted. Why do they go? Undrafted because there's inconsistencies to their game. So when you put them in those moments, what you're saying is you're running the risk of inconsistency. And that's exactly what happened. I knew they were going to throw the ball uh, when they went. Here's what I think happened. On third down, uh, what was it, third and two? On, On third down there, KB, I think they thought that they could get the first down there. That's what I think. I thought it would be close, but I think Steichen thought, I'm going to get this first down, and then we're then I'm going to have my timeouts, and then it's going to be first and 10 at the 13-yard the line, the 12-yard line, the 14-yard line, and we're going to be able to take a deep breath, get into what we want, but let's just get this first down by going to Jonathan Taylor. And I knew they were going to throw the ball when they went to timeout, which I want to get to here in just a second. I knew they were going to throw the ball. And what I thought they were going to do, what I thought they were going to do was, you know how they've done like the little fake plays where a tight end sneaks out? They've done a lot like, you know, two-point conversions and stuff. You know, Granson sneaks out. Sure. It's yeah. just an uh-huh. easy little dump-off pass, and he gets four yards. Right. That's that's the type of play that I thought they were going to they do. They ran a fourth down against the Raiders, whereas Pittman and Granson on a rub route. Pittman yeah, was the guy exactly, that caught exactly. it on that play. I thought we've seen so much of that from Steichen that I thought it was going to be a variation of that play. I don't, and, you know, could have even been a you know Granson or someone like that. So that that that's where my brain went. And of course, listen, I I, I understand that you try to believe in, on everyone on the fifty three and everyone's out there practicing. But there is a difference between Goodson and the other options. And it's not like the other options were just Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. It was all the guys that you mentioned. So I even throw into the, well, I mean, a lot of people are just talking about running backs. Well, you have to have Taylor on. I agree with that. But you also had all these other options uh, that for the entire season have been passing or I've been catching passes for you. So listen, I am, I, I am, they're fans that are downright angry at the fourth down call. I, I'm, I don't, I don't like it, but I'm not as angry as some fans are. What I don't like are all the things leading up to that. Okay, so just give me a second on it. Um, I I believe if if you're a football fan, media gas bag, you're a fan, you're a coach, there are like cores that you believe in. And I put this on Twitter yesterday. I am a believer in giving yourself options and giving yourself options at the end. And it might be a loser attitude. It might be a defeatist attitude. But point of part of that is if you don't get this fourth down to 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 give yourself a chance. And Shane Steichen failed to do that in two instances. Number one, they they run a play. 
on third down or the, the the yeah the third down play ended with a minute 43 on the clock there's a lot of time left okay a minute 43 on the clock they ran it down and then took the timeout all the way to 106 and again the the time isn't a big deal if you have the conversion there right in fact you want to run time in fact I'm yelling at Jonathan Taylor on first down not to go out of bounds because I'm thinking yo you don't want to kick a field goal here or something or you don't want to score and give CJ Stroud 50 seconds on the clock yeah was he favoring that ankle going out of bounds a couple times early well I mean the first down play I wrote it down the first down play he went out of bounds and he got about two yards and if he would have Put his left foot down and turned up. That's the Jonathan Taylor we know. Right. Okay, that's the stud hey, running back. forward. He's getting another that's, yard or that's two. That's the yeah. stud uh-huh. running back that we know. To me, that was a mistake. The second down run, he didn't have nearly as much. I, I'm not as hot takey about him going out of bounds. But Shane Steichen took away an option at the end of the game by calling that timeout. And that's why I think he thought he was going to run the inside run play to Taylor on third down, and he was going to lean forward, and on third and two, KB, he was going to get two and a half, three yards, and then you would have a minute 40, and you know clock would be running, you'd have three timeouts, and you could settle everyone down. But by using his timeout there, essentially, it brings it down to just one play. And I am a firm believer in you got to save the timeout there. Okay, so you're not going to save the timeout there. You're going to call the the timeout. Well, then don't burn 37 seconds off the clock because the game ends with you punting it away and having, I mean, there would have been maybe 20 seconds, 30 seconds on the clock. Was Gardner Minshew going to go the length of the field? Uh, Probably not. Probably not. But again, there are just, to me, a couple opportunities where Shane Sykin had to think ahead a little bit. Instead, you burn your timeout, you drop 37 seconds off the clock. Okay, great. What's our fourth down call? Minshew to Goodson, and that's where fans are looking at all three of those decisions, and they're not liking any of them. Just to clarify, the reason why Shane Sykin said that he took the timeout, he's wanted to see the look from Houston, and you know he felt like they would be in a man coverage look, which they were um, to that point. I, I would just say a couple things to add to that, Andy, and I'll echo what I said to open up the show. There was a reason why, and I think you and I are both on the same page, but I definitely did not want to bring up fourth and one early in the show. My bigger coaching issue, the four-quarter issue from Sunday or Saturday night, is allowing Nico oh, Collins no about to it. look like a yeah. first ballot Hall of Famer. No doubt about so, it. So, like, I, I want to make that clear. We're going to focus on fourth and one here because, again, it is the hot-button topic. It's what everybody's talking about. But I want to make sure that our listeners walk no. away from no, it and right. realize that was an absolute joke by Gus Bradley and the personnel on the defensive side of the ball that the only threat for Houston absolutely torched you and roasted you from the first play until the final drive of that game. Now, back to fourth and one. <laughs> You're right with Nico Collins. I mean, I think people agree with you. I think the takes that we're giving on fourth down and the end of the game and perhaps even the 57-yard field goal and feeling bad for Goodson, even though he should not have been put in that position, and Nico Collins burning Juju Brents and everybody else. Like, I think the Colts fans are, I, I think, in unison with the analysis of the game. Would you agree with that for the most part? No, I... I I think so. I think there's a little bit more of a crowd that is content with what Shane dialed up there on fourth and one. I don't think it's maybe the majority, but I do think there's a little bit more of that crowd. Now, granted, had Frank Reich made that call, I would love to see the reaction off of that. But I think two things to add, Andy. One, you decided on the season on the line, you put the entire year in the hands of a guy that literally had a quote after the game of, I hope I'm back next year. 
Like that's the reality of Tyler Goodson's career. He he's just hoping. He's hoping for an opportunity. He, he he's a practice squad guy. He, this is not you know insert your high level pass catching back in the league. For some reason, Naeem Hines just because he's the you know whatever the which they need by the, the way. The old local guy is the one that's popping into my head. But you know a lot of these teams have a third down back. He's not that Tyler Goodson. And then secondly. And I got a tweet here as you were chatting, and this from Corvin. Obviously, I respect people on the other side of the opinion. He go, he goes, the guy was wide open, no risk. They didn't make the play. Houston stuffed multiple run lanes. If that's the call and it gets stuffed, we're comparing Steichen to Reich. Good play call, bad execution, move on. The counter to that would be this. The guy was wide open, no risk. What happened earlier in the game when Shane Steichen had dialed up a wide-open Tyler Goodson and Gardner Minshew threw the ball in Tyler Goodson's direction. Minshew missed wildly. The two were not on the same page. The timing was not there. It was not an accurate ball from Minshew. So clearly, there's risk. When you involve two guys that you would rank near the bottom of your 11-man personnel on offense of guys you trust, you're bringing risk. If it was that easy, why wasn't the first ball completed earlier in the game, or even close to being completed earlier in the game. So now, if you're Minshew in the huddle, and you're thinking about that for the whole time out, Minshew's wired in this way. I guarantee you, Andy, he thought to himself, oh man, I missed Tyler earlier, high and outside. Right. Uh, if anything, I'm going to compensate. So he does. It's low and inside on that pass. And now, Goodson, who you know isn't necessarily thinking, I just need to sit here and maybe not run up field, because yards after catch wasn't the big thing on that play. It was get a yard and move on. Goodson's got happy feet. Goodson's thinking, i got to catch this, and i got to keep my momentum going forward. All of a sudden, maybe he runs a little bit deeper than Minshew thought. Maybe there's panic from the previous target to him earlier in the game. He gets two hands on it, but again, all his momentum's going forward, and he can't haul it in. In that situation, go back to the Raiders game. When you threw kind of a ball up for grabs on fourth down, Michael Pittman Jr. made a catch that not a lot of guys in your football team would make. Josh Downs in big-time moments has made those plays. I'm not saying it needed to go to Taylor 1,000%. I think he should have been on the field as a decoy, but there were other guys, whether that be Pittman, whether that be Downs. Rub routes have been so successful for this team. Hell, even some sort of RPO where maybe if everything else fails, we've seen Gardner Minshew's legs pick up a play or two. Um, that, to me, is where you bring in risk. If it was that easy, why wasn't the first play converted? And if it was this easy, why wasn't that play converted? Why? Because you had backups that are inexperienced and or not good or not very good, and in that moment, you were exposed. Two three nine ten seventy. We'll take some calls quickly. Let's let's do this, Mark. Let, let's play some sound. We need to play some of this. Here's Shane Steichen after the game. So what I did, KB, is I cut this into like two or three clips, and there's some follow ups and everything else. Obviously, uh, Shane Steichen. It wasn't the entire press conference. There were Jonathan Taylor questions and Michael Pittman, and you know, big big picture questions on the loss and the season and next year and what he learned as a head coach and everything else. But here's the beginning. Some back and forth here. Steichen on that fourth down call. Play we had up, um, we had to look for it. It was man-to-man coverage, you know, and uh, just it didn't work out. But you, you did run it with Tyler, though. Why? Why that? Why was that the choice? Um, obviously, we called timeout there. Um, it was fourth and one. Uh, we saw the front they were in. We liked to look for that play in that situation. So he is that he had practiced that play. Is that what you're thinking? Correct. Felt good about Goodson uh, in that situation. Um, he's a pass catcher for us out of the backfield, and uh, that's what we um, yeah, we would have had him in there for something, but we could have done something. Yeah, obviously, if it doesn't work, you know, you're going to second guess it. Um, so I understand that, and that's part of the business. Okay, what you saw was it a, 
a catch he should have made or a throw that should have been better? I'm going to look at it. It was it was bang, bang. I mean, from our side, it was on the other sideline. So. I don't know what you take away from that. Let's go to let's go to the next one. Uh, Stike in more on the fourth down call. There's a lot of thoughts going through in that situation on the timeout. Um, like I said, saw the look for that play. Mm. Thought it was going to be great. Got the look. Didn't you know? Didn't happen for us. And I guess you, you do feel somewhat justified because it was there. It just, it's just an execution thing, I guess. Yeah, right. And, I, and I understand that. They, uh, and I take full responsibility when plays don't work. Um, starts with myself. You know, if we hit them, they're great, right? And uh, if we don't. Obviously, it's going to get questioned, and I completely understand it. Yeah, and I'll go back to something I said a little bit earlier, Andy. In that moment, I want to get as proven guys as I can to make those plays. You know, I, I you can't be in full control of the play. Clearly, if you're in full control of the play, the Colts would have completed that pass and moved on. Um, and I want guys that have been either proven or been used to those settings. And you know, Minshew, there's only so much you can do. I mean, he is your quarterback. So, um, you know, even kind of separate him from it, Goodson is not that guy whatsoever. Um, I think on the play itself, I think both guys are at fault, frankly. Again, I, I think Minshew's throw was a little low and, and, and inside. I don't know if a jumping Will Anderson Jr. influenced that at all. Um, it was certainly not like on point with the accuracy, but Goodson got a couple hands on it and you know couldn't haul it in either. But that's a running back with six career catches that you're asking to make you know a, a big-time play out of his catch radius in that moment. Yeah, I was I was stunned. I was stunned they went in the flat to Goodson. I don't mind saying it. I was absolutely stunned. That's the way it went. The only thing I would say to kick back on Steichen is I don't think people are playing the result. I don't think I don't think you are playing the result, Kevin. You're you're saying Goodson has six catches this season. You tried a similar play earlier in the game that didn't work out. Didn't and, come close yeah, to working out. Didn't come out. close to working out. And in that moment, you went Minshew Goodson is going to be our connection. I don't think that's playing the result. I think you question. I think you question that on the front end. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that. If you'd have ran JT up the middle. You know, if you'd have hurried up and ran JT up the middle and we would have said, well, you could have used a timeout or why did you run it again or why did you just do something? You're a creative coach. Why did you run up the middle? Then we would be second guessing. I don't think we're second guessing. I think we're we're guessing on the front end. Are we not? It, why Goodson's in the game? It's almost like when that moment happens, uh, we should have to pause and everybody should have to jot down their their pre-play thoughts <laughs> and then you're held to that. And I that's know. why I tried to at the start of this, Andy, bring up the – Okay, when I saw Goodson in the huddle, I thought to myself, wait, where's Taylor? Like, that was my first thought because, again, to me, he's on the field as a decoy more than, you know, if nothing else, he's on the field. And I will reiterate what I said earlier. Taylor, you know, told me and told, you know, the media scrum that was around him after the game that that was a play that he had practiced. Uh, So this was not just, you know, whatever, something that, you know, this is purely Tyler Goodson's play and, and it's either him or or not on this. So. Um, again, I will echo that I think the bigger coaching issue for four quarters and 60 minutes was Nico Collins kicking your ass, but fourth and one in a game that comes down to so many of these moments, uh, it gets scrutinized, and I felt like we should pay attention to it. But at the same time, I don't want to lose sight of second and 20, second and 14, and second and 13, all of those turning into Houston first downs 
on the previous drive, and it's why I think you need to have a very honest conversation with Gus Bradley here in the offseason. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of the main conversations. I know what fans think of Gus Bradley already. Quickly, we're at the top of the hour. Here's what Goodson said about it after the game. I worked too hard to, you know, just drop the ball like that. And I got to accept that opportunity, and that's okay. It was a drop. It's a tough throw. It's still touch my hands. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Touch my hands. Uh, but next year, I won't be in that position ever again. Ever again. We feel bad for him. I mean, it sounded like he's going to cry. Yeah, it was uh, bad for Goodson. I did. It was one of the more, maybe the most honestly emotional locker room that I've yeah. been in. I mean, yeah, a lot of. Because you don't get that all the time. No, a lot of, frankly, a lot of tears. Uh, flat out. Not just Tyler Goodson. I mean, there are a lot of guys that you maybe wouldn't peg as, you know, well guys welling up uh, in that locker room. But again, I think so much of that comes back to just the stinging nature to that loss. And, and really, you know, as I sat there with 2.30 to go and the Colts continued to move the football in a positive direction, I thought, Andy, they're going to win this game. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if C.J. Stroud's going to get the ball back with you know how much time left on that end. Uh, all right, I think there was one Colt player that they really, really missed on Saturday night. I want to make sure that we hit on that. Certainly a heroic effort from Jonathan Taylor. And we'll take your uh, comments as well. At KBowen1070 on Twitter, at the only Sweeney calls 317-239. 1070. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy on a Monday. Yeah, hanging out on the drive, Hubert. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Com Studios, thank you so much for making us a part of your day. KB and Andy hanging out with you. Another hour to go. We appreciate the reaction. 239-1070 here on this Monday. We'll get back a bunch of calls, loaded phone lines, 317-239-1070. We'll get to our goats of the week here in just a few minutes. Our five-word headlines. I uh, I did peek at the five-word headlines, guys. <laughs> there's, there's a couple. There's a couple on there, so we'll oh, get yeah. to that. A couple uh, not safe for work, I'm, I'm, I think, as I'm well. Sure. And a couple people that don't know what five Five words well, means they're writing full yeah, paragraphs. I'm like, easy. Well, they're upset. They're upset about what happened. Two things before we dive back to the phone lines and the game and everything else. Actually, a third. I should promote that we're going to try here. I, I What? 9-10, out might be too late for us, but Shane Steichen is supposed to meet with the media here at some point this hour, and if we can record that and get that to you, we will. Uh, if not, I'm sure the guys, uh, Query and Company, JMV, and then us tomorrow morning, you'll hear that sound, but again, uh, that is the plan as we go today. Just two quick things. Uh, looking at projected cap space, who has the most? Washington will have the most going into this offseason with 80 mil. The Indianapolis Colts at 72 mil are fourth on that list when we talk about projected money. Yeah, and I ahead. would say the first thought I have on that is how much of that goes to in-house. Because when you look at it, specifically I said Pittman earlier in the show, it is easily the most notable free agent list name, I think, of the Chris Ballard era. Honestly, you could probably go back to some of the Gregson era. Michael Pittman Jr., Kenny Moore, Grover Stewart, Julian Blackman, Zach Moss, Gardner Minshew. I know you can make strong cases, honestly, to bring back any, if not all of those. But Andy, what comes with that too is 
they're going to merit some big time markets, I would think. Several of those guys. So, you know, 73 million, yeah. That's a big big number, but again, in-house, there are a lot of guys that I think you would want to bring back, and several of them I think could also merit some markets elsewhere. So, uh this is easily I think the most interesting couple of months stretch now leading into free agency. Again, we have not seen the franchise tag used since Pat McAfee in 2013, who was very unhappy when Ryan Grigson <laughs> placed that on him. I think there is a chance it gets used. And I have not said that at all, really, in recent off-seasons. Of course, the question you would have with that is, let's say use it on Pittman. Yes, he's back, but now do you get a little holdout situation? We saw a lot of guys with the oh, franchise sure. tag last yeah. year hold out, wanting that long-term deal. Is that something that Pittman would do? as you lead into training camp in the yeah, preseason. Yeah, I'm a Pittman would be one, and then Blackman or more. I think you have to keep someone in that secondary. Uh, perhaps Blackman when you see the game on Saturday, and then, you know, if it's not Minshew, a competent backup quarterback is going to be needed. You see it? It's not me saying Anthony Richardson's missing 11 games next year, but w- with what you have seen through year number one, if you go in not having Minshew or a very, very good, competent backup quarterback uh, – uh, that's going to be on you. One last thing, because when I when I brought up the projected cap space, New England, not New England, uh, Indianapolis is fourth at seventy two mil. Right in, right in front of them was seventy four mil. Are the Houston Texans? Uh, so the team that just you know just beat you, just won the AFC South and everything else. And last thing I'll say on the Texans themselves, Kevin is, and, and man, and we talked about this earlier this season. The Texans, and this is this is not me. I'm giving a lot of qualifiers here. This is not me saying the Colts had a failure of a season or any. It's not even a negative take. It's just the fact that the Texans had the season that you wanted. The Texans, you know, you believe in Steichen. Well, they believe in D'Amico Ryans and the staff that he has put together. They were the dregs of football society. You know, so were you. So both of you did some good things. How you beat them earlier on in the season. But in the end, they go to the playoffs. They get to feel good to win the division. And they get to feel damn good about their quarterback. And that is still the thing with all of the good that happened this season and all of the achieving, the overachieving potentially that the Colts did. You didn't get to see too much of your quarterback. Uh, A lot of questions as we go into the offseason and health obviously being at the top of the list. So, you know, the Texans, they got to kind of live your season this year. And I hate hate saying it, but that's what it is. Yeah, and that that gets back to the storyline from a few months ago about how big of a, you know, and the you-know-what it was that Anthony Richardson exited. I believe the total ended with 37 Colts. Andy played more snaps than Anthony Richardson. 37 wow. Colts. One of them was named Jacob Martin. <laughs> Do you know who Jacob Martin is? <laughs> Boy, that Sounds like you, a kid in my third grade class at Cherry Tree you Elementary. You should have saved that for, uh, for Scotty for, uh, for a pop quiz uh, somewhere along the line. I, I, Do you believe? Okay. We do want to take some calls, but I brought this up earlier uh, in relation to a caller that we had. Do you believe the Shanes, because we have scar tissue, and understandably so, in this market of cap space means nothing. Just because you've got it doesn't mean that you're going to use a big chunk of it. Do you think a Shane second influence? Do you think a rock bottom of the 2022 season? Do you think that would lead to an altering of Chris Bowden's approach? Having said that, as I just said, $73 million in-house, that's a lot of money to be used on a lot of guys in your own building. So how much will be there for outside free agents remains to be seen. 
But do you think a Shane's second influence oh, I will think you have alter to. any plan for no, Chris No, I mean, you're, you're, trying to, you're trying to win here, and then on top of it, you know, the fans got it. Man, they got, they got the taste back. They got the taste back of winning, um, and on top of it, you see the other teams in the division in the AFC South growing, and, you know, I mentioned Houston, who has 74 mil, and you have 72 mil of free space. If they go out and make a couple different splash signings, I'm not saying you got to overpay somebody. I'm not saying you go out and you bring in, you know, another running back, but you know, to think that to think that you would go like I think what? They're going to need to do something at defensive back, whether they keep the in-house guys or bring in some guys, they're going to have to do that. You're going to have to have somebody else at wide receiver. You're going to have to figure out tight end as well. I mean, I'm not saying you go out, I'm not sure who would be there to spend a lot of money, but uh, you know, you're going to have to do something at tight end. Jelani Woods didn't play a snap this season, which is unbelievable. So pass rusher, you've mentioned, hey, you know, if uh, if pass rusher, I don't know how that changes with what they did this season. And I, I think for me, the you know, looking at defenders, it's going to come down to if you believe in Gus Bradley long term. You know, because each guy plays their own system, right? So it's not, do you believe in Gus Bradley for one more year? Do you believe in him to go out and sign, you know, a guy to a three, four, five-year deal, multiple-year deal to bring back somebody? If you change defensive coordinators, it may not, you know, Kenny Moore might not be as valuable as he has been this season. So the more you have talked about it, the Gus Bradley slash defensive scheme conversation is one that I'm not saying you got to get rid of Gus Bradley, but you have to decide if he's your guy. Yeah, you that better just, have the conversation. Yeah, that, that would be that, one of my first questions no, to Shane Sykin today. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, 2 3 9 10, 70. Paul up next here on The Fan reacting with you on this Monday. Paul, fire away. How you guys doing? Good, Paul. Happy Monday, man. Yeah, not too happy, but it'll do. Uh, anyways, uh, Gardner Minshew will get a lot of blame for this game and as well as he should. But on that last drive, the last two runs we had, I'm going to put the onus on Jonathan Taylor. Why did he run out of bounds on second and third down instead of cutting it up? Had he cut it up, we would have had the first downs and would not have been in that position. Um, Also, Gus Bradley is not the answer. I've been saying for years – We've been too passive on defense. We've got to get aggressive because when we get aggressive and assert ourselves, they get to the quarterback and they flush to the quarterback. But too many times we've seen the team trying to be like other teams and get there with the front four. Don't do it with just the front four. When you get in the third and long, don't go to that stupid pre-big defense. I'm so tired of seeing that. Miami did that last night. That does not work. Get after the quarterback. Do what you've been doing to get to that situation and get off the field and get your offense back on the field. I'm just, you know, I'm happy with the uh, progress that I saw with the Colts, but I'm so discouraged because we had everything right in front of us and we gave it away. Fellas, that's all I have. I will see you guys next year when the season starts because I do believe we are in the right situation once we get a better defensive coordinator to win everything, not just a division, but everything. Uh, Mailman Paul, we appreciate it. Two three nine ten seventy. Let me let me go back to what he said about Jonathan Taylor. I talked about this at seven thirty, and I agree with it for the most part on that on that first down. 
Okay, on that first down near the end of the game as we were approaching uh, what the two-minute warning. It was just right after the... No, this is right before the two-minute warning. Uh, That first down... No, it's after. I apologize. That first down run, Jonathan Taylor got two yards and he went out of bounds. I got caught up on him running out of bounds. I'm not as hot takey on that, but it does feel like KB... He could have planted and went up the field yeah. there. Yeah, and you wonder how how healthy. Sure. sure. I, and, you, and you wonder if maybe he's second-guessing himself again. All this has happened. It's very easy to, you know, me on my couch with the beer to have this conversation. But it felt like he could have put that left foot uh, in the turf and cut it up and got more yardage and stayed in bounds. The second down run that went on the other side of the field where he only got a couple yards, to me, to me, Kevin, I didn't feel that that he could have done that. I, I felt like he got about what was blocked, and that is, that's all that he was going to get. But I understand the conversation. And that's why when we've discussed the fourth and one play, I don't think you've heard me say too, too often, or ho- hopefully not at all, that Taylor had to have the ball and no one else had to have it. Like, it, there clearly was a little bit of, you know, whatever, hesitation. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say limp, but he just wasn't one, 100%. And obviously was doubtful at one point to return to the game and did. Uh, but again, decoy. What about Pittman? What about Downs? What about Moss? I mean, you know, there are other options that you could go to ahead of Tyler Goodson there uh, as your, you know, whatever, fifth string running back or whatever you want to label him as. I, I'm trying to think. So can we take, we can't take calls right now because Mark is out uh, figuring yeah, and out does, Shane And again, so, we will relay any of the Shane Steichen yes, If he uh, says anything, quotes, yeah. I do want to just, because I, you know, I made a, I made a list of things that affected the game negatively as well that weren't just the end of the game. Uh, you mentioned being backed up all day. I mean, it was the 10 yard line, the 12 yard line, the 11, the 15. It was, it was all day. Um, the 57 yard field goal. We talked about that. Nico Collins, We've talked about that as well. Uh, it was the first half, was it not? Uh, it could have been the second half. Good God. The missed touchdown to Mo Alley Cox. and yeah, the video the double pump. Yeah, the mm-hmm. video that is now circulated around the internet where Shane Steichen said, we had it, that's on you. I thought that was just an intro. I mean, that was a touchdown. Yeah, or that was first and goal, right? Yeah, I mean, that play. was that was right there. If you want to say, well, Allie Cox, you know, he's not a burner down the sideline with the best of hands, so you're throwing to a marginal receiver there. I understand. It's also a game of inches. Gardner Minshew missed that throw by two inches. That's what he did. Yeah, again, I thought Minshew was awful. He's terrible. I, I, th- I thought he was awful, and that to me provides context around the fourth and one because in that moment, context matters. You've played a. 58-minute game up until that point. What you script on a Wednesday in practice is different. A, some guys are hurt. Uh, Braden Smith, by the way, the loss of Braden Smith, someone tweeted this out to me. If you look at the running numbers after he exited, that that was a notable loss within the game. Obviously, he had played through a lot throughout the season. Uh, but context matters. Writing the hot hand matters. Uh, who's on the field? What has worked earlier in the game? Those things are all very important. Just because you drilled something endlessly on a Wednesday or Thursday doesn't mean that lo and behold, with two minutes to go in the game, it's going to work flawlessly. And catching a pass, you know, whatever in the shadows of Eagle Creek on a Thursday <laughs> afternoon is a little different than catch, catching a pass right. in front of 60,000 after a timeout with all the bright lights on you on that stage as well. Two three nine ten seventy. Sean up next here on this Monday on The Fan. Sean, good morning, man. Fire away. 
Hey, it's John. Uh, uh, first of all, welcome, uh, Andy. Long Appreciate overdue. It. And uh, Kevin, hello again. This is uh, John. We met at the fan. Arizona game. fan, John, right? That's right. And um, I agree with the last caller. Gus Bradley needs to go. I said that last year that he needs to go. He is horrible. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing if he doesn't get the head coaching job. I wouldn't mind seeing uh, fellow Wildcat Antonio Pierce get the uh, uh, coordinator job. Um, as far as that fourth down play, though, I don't have a problem with Goodson being in or the play. It's that it was Goodson getting the play. You could have done a run up the middle for Goodson, um, just like the brotherly shove. You needed one yard. That's it. You have an all-pro guard. You just run right behind him and push it. Or you go to a tight end or whatever if you're going to go with the pass play. And that's just it. it, Inexperience. Yeah, I think and, on our coach. John, thank you for that. You know, I think there's something to add to Andy. Again, it's, you know, the second highest paid offensive line in all of football. Um, you know, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly behind those two on that play. I mean, there is a little bit of me that's like, boy, with how Chris Bauer does want to build this team, if you were to tell him if you convert a fourth and one with two minutes to go in week 18 of the season and you probably go to the playoffs, <laughs> he would he'd the, be salivating. The hog mollies. He'd be foaming at yeah. the mouth. Going and behind so, the hog mollies. And, and again, I don't think that building that right way or that way is the correct way, but that's how you've built. And then that moment, you deviate from that. You don't go to that when it's you have ran it over what, what they have, over 200 yards of rushing in the game. So that's another element of me like, wait a minute, you do all this building, and then all of a sudden you get in the point in time where it's like the biggest moment of the season and you don't do that. And it's not like if you go back and look at what Houston's formation looked like before that snap, like you didn't really see a whole lot of jumbo package look from Houston. They didn't have their linebackers right there over Ryan Kelly saying, no, 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 we think there could be Goodson up the middle here. Um, so it's not like you got a, a, a heavy run look from Houston's defense in that moment. What if Steichen would have went tush push? Now that has not worked for this team <laughs> when they have tried it. To do three nine ten seventy Mo up next here on this Monday on the fan. Mo, good morning. Fire away. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good morning. Happy Monday. Um, so I, I think my problem with the play. So I had no problem with the play call. I think the play call was a perfect play call. Obviously, it was schemed up right. He was wide open. I think it was more of a personnel issue. So. I'm trying to take an optimistic outlook into the new year saying, hey, we got the right guy. He's calling the right plays. He knows how to use his players. Uh, It's just a matter of getting the right personnel on the field next time. And I think it probably would have played out a little bit differently. Um, So that's one point. The other thing I want to just add in, guys, please don't be mad at me. I just want to double down on what Greg Rakestraw said uh, last week. I really don't think Purdue's getting enough coverage, guys. We're talking about the number one team in the country multiple weeks in a row. I think obviously not today. Today's probably not the appropriate day for it, but would love some more coverage on the Boilermakers. I think Matt Painter, the job that they're doing is absolutely phenomenal, um, and it's something we should celebrate. We're talking about the best of something that we have here in the state of Indiana. Let's celebrate them, even though they're not maybe uh, you know the, the Hoosiers in Bloomington. Mo, thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Certainly tons of Purdue coverage upcoming as well. Really enjoyed our, our uh, Matt Painter conversation. Uh, right before that Arizona game. Did want to share a couple of Shane Steichen-related comments from his presser. Again, this is going on right now, the end-of-the-year press conference. Uh, on the fourth and one play, Steichen says he has not stopped thinking about that play, reiterates he oh, liked I'm the sure. look. 
and I'm what sure. the Colts got. As far as staff changes or Gus Bradley is concerned, Shane says this, and I quote, again, relaying these comments from the variety of reporters that are out there, I believe in continuity. I'll just say that. Uh, on Gus Bradley, I've worked with Gus for four years. I believe in continuity. I have tons of confidence in Gus. Okay, so Colts fans love Shane Steichen, and they may disagree with the fourth down call or the timeouts or whatever it may be, how the season ended, right? Like, people are not going to be happy about that. But overall, the man who has received the most praise this season for the Colts, whether it be team player, Ballard, Ursay, anybody, has been Shane Steichen. This is, if I'm not mistaken, Kevin, this is the first time where he is telling the fan base something that they fundamentally disagree with. I I mean, I would say the numbers are extremely high on, hey, let's try someone else other than Gus Bradley. Yeah, and I would also say this. um, As much as I don't like the approach that Gus Bradley has defensively, again, I want a guy that, no, 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 you dictate to us. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to disguise. We're going to play a variety of looks. You're going to sit there on a Tuesday night and you're going to say, damn, what the hell are the Colts going to throw at us this week? Like, that's what I like. I don't think the personnel is walking into a five, you know, whatever, five-star restaurant and you've got all the ingredients that you could want in that kitchen. Um, So I think that is important context to have when discussing Gus Bradley as well. Um, I think this is a big critical moment in the Shane Sykin era, though. And, you know, how do you want your defense? Do you want it to be complimentary or do you want it to be championship level? Can Gus Bradley play a complimentary defense and have that? Yeah, I think he can. Can he coordinate a championship-level defense? I've got questions there. And that's, I think, a question that Shane Sykin must look in the mirror and discuss here because, you know, this is, I think, the time to make this sort of move. You know, it's your first full-off season. You haven't really gotten your fingerprints too much on. There's a lot you of know, free agents on the team. Yeah, Massive a staff lot of free changes. Agents. There are a lot of free agents as well. Um, I would think this would be a time to look long and hard at that. You've got the cap space. You've got you know a decently high draft pick. You're obviously hoping to be drafting a little bit later in future years as well. And I don't think you want Shane to fall into a trap. And I thought Frank Reich fell into this trap. I thought Frank Reich fell into a trap too often of, now the defense isn't really under me. Another guy runs that. I handle the offense. No, no, no. You're the head coach. Right. You decide what philosophy you want defensively. Do you see that with Steichen? I'm not sure well, I do, but we're going to find out, perhaps? that's. I think that's a fair statement. Yeah. But philosophically, they are two very different coaches sure. in how they handle their respective units. Now, there are some coaches out there offensively that say, no, 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 I like that on defense. I like the, we're not going to get beat deep, which, hell, I feel like the Colts, I mean, just look at the first play, I feel like the Colts got beat deep a whole lot this year. There are some offensive coaches that that, that like that. Uh, for their defensive coordinator there, uh, but again, I, I think I think this is a, just a point in time in Steichen's tenure where if you're going to make a move like this, do it now, do it early, do it when you have some flexibility in the off season to make some moves, and see what happens here. Uh, let's dive into it. Let's dive into our goats of the weekend, the good and bad that was this weekend. Fire away. Who is the GOAT? I told you all that I was the greatest of all time. Jordan, here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! That's what I'm talking about! That's why he's everything! That's why he's the GOAT! The GOAT! Or GOAT. This guy sucks. Of the week. I'm a 
who had a really good weekend and who had a really bad weekend? Let's start with the good. KB, fire away. You want to go? The good is the decision by one and only Jameis Winston to say, <laughs> screw the kneel down. We're going for the touchdown. You're damn and right. Arthur yeah. Smith, you're going to whine and then you're going to pack your bags because you will be fired at 12.01 a.m. I not only love the decision by Jameis Winston, I love the post-game press conference from him in explaining how he looked at the guys in the huddle and this was a team decision. They decided to go for this <laughs> touchdown here in lieu of the kneel down. Uh, I, I'm reminded that Jameis is still in the NFL, first off, and I'm reminded that we need this dude to be a starting quarterback because you get some moments like this. Okay, so, so my greatest goat of the weekend. Uh, you're damn right. I, I thought about going for the first snow of the year because I did love the kids getting outdoors and doing a, 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 our version of sledding is right. the most intense thing in the world. I love that on Saturday morning. And then I saw Jameis be Jameis, and I decided to change. Uh, I love Jameis, and they got what Jamal Williams, who had like 17 touchdowns last year. He had none this year. Jameis acted like he was like the walk-on that like hasn't gotten in all year. Did you see, by the way, Chris Jones of the Chiefs got a touchdown, which gave him like a mil? A sack, right? Or, a sack, no, yeah. Yeah, my bad, goodness. Uh, a sack, which got him like a mil, mil and a half. He ran off the field after getting that sack. His teammates went nuts No, but here's the thing. They did, and it was a funny scene. He ran off at 14 and a half miles per hour, which at the time was the second fastest player <laughs> of the week in the NFL. Chris Jones getting that. I I love I love everything about Jameis Winston. Atlanta crying about it, then Atlanta getting fired uh, and everything else. I was gonna go with the Buffalo Bills. They've won six of seven. They've won five in a row. They've won now the AFC East. They have sent Miami back. Uh, what the six seed now Miami and all of that is funny. But I'm gonna do something for Mark Dykton. Montez Sweat led the Chicago Bears and the mm-hmm. Washington Commanders both this season in sacks. First player in history to do that. <laughs> First player in the history of the league to lead two teams. Uh, I would say this, boy. It looks like they. It looks like the Bears robbed another team. That's what it looks like. Yeah, they got a pretty good deal mm-hmm. for him. So that's my go to the week. Well, Mark, th- I'm gonna try not to throw up in my mouth when I say this, but oh my boy. good is the disgusting display that Jordan Love has put on Ugh. the Bears in two performances. He can play a little football, can he? Yeah, he's slinging it all over the place. He had like every receiver had like 11 yard gaps between the secondary. I don't know what Matty. Flus's defense was doing. Uh, I really hope that the Packers haven't walked into a third straight, like really good quarterback. But the two the two performances against the Bears he's had was a disgustingly good performance, and it it sickens me to say that. The other one was also Carson Wentz. Uh, Carson Wentz. How about that? Yeah, he Seventeen. Was, he was good, there's yeah. sixteen rushes for fifty six yards and a touchdown. <laughs> he was helped the Rams beat the 49ers. That was so a we, we blast from the past. We can we get? Is it possible to get Carson Wentz at Philly, or is that not possible? Was well, it possible that Carson Wentz is your backup next year for Minshew leaves? No, no, stop that. Stop that. No, no. That There's not enough alcohol in Indianapolis for that to be possible well, here. We'll test that. Uh, all right, we'll my see. negative goat of the weekend, and this is a precursor for tonight. Are we going to get a football game that starts at 730, and are we going to get no. it to be over in three hours? No. Because college football games eight, take ten, nine hours. Yeah, 8, 10, 8, 15. The game, yeah, Harbaugh will be hosting being the trophy at 11, 45. And, you know, whatever. Tomorrow night <laughs> we're going to watch, what, is it Purdue that has a 9 o'clock tip yeah. tomorrow, so that's going to bleed late oh, into the night. Brutal. But I would just like for a 7.30 kick, like it says right now on ESPN, I'd like for that to happen. <laughs> and I would like for college football, like with NFL games, you know you're in a three-hour yeah, time You're frame. done at 4 o'clock, yeah. I know. Listen, Why can't I'm with we you. do that with college football? I, listen, I'm with you. I mean, they've sped up games a tad yeah, not by, really. by, by you know not stopping after a first down. The problem they have is these halftime, the halftime is way too long. 
the halftime is just wait. It's like double the NFL. It feels like well, that's and, one of the biggest we, problems. And we can't have the have. clock stopping. Well, I mean, at all, yeah, that's the case. My, my, listen. I think they might be done. I don't think this guy's going to lose his job, but he's making it interesting. Nick Sirianni and the Eagles have lost five out of six now. Is a cratered. Oh, I had a stat. I mean, they started this season KB ten and one on the year, and they basically had everything wrapped up. And there you go. And they've lost to like bad teams. They've lost to Seattle who wasn't a playoff team. They've lost to the Cardinals, and they got blown out by the Giants yesterday. The only the only win they have in the last month, month and a half, is winning in Philly uh, over the Giants. I mean, they are... I, I, they're done. I, now, I'm AJ surprised Brown avoided, how done they are. Avoided a serious injury, though. I saw A.J. Brown got hurt, and then uh, Jalen Hurts hurt his finger, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, J- man, did Jalen Hurts finger? Was yeah. Oh, Ooh. yeah, he jammed. You know, it was it's all, si- it's yeah, all yeah, sideways yeah. and stuff like that. So. so they are at Tampa. They are. Which Monday is, night. That's the Monday night yep. Which is super game. interesting. I don't know what to do with that with that game. And Tampa was nothing special. I mean, 9 nothing or whatever it was. I mean, they 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 didn't put anyone but Carolina. They would have gagged their season away like the fraud Jacksonville Jaguars did, which was great. Mark, my bad. Oh. Is the Pittsburgh Steelers being a playoff team? How on earth Without did TJ this happen? Lott. Without T.J. Watt. They stunk most of the season. Their offense was outgained and outscored the majority of the season, yet they find themselves in the postseason. At no point did I think they were a playoff (laughs) team. Their QBs stink. And please make this a quick and painless death because I don't want to see any more Steelers football. And now we have it at 1 p.m. against the Bills on Sunday. Please get them out of the playoffs. So, again, the NFL schedule for this weekend. I do love the uh, venom that comes out. There's a lot of uh, venom. During uh, during goat time on a week uh, weekend, we got bases. Okay, Browns and Texans will get things started. Speaking of venom, that's certainly salt, meat, and wounds there. That's 4.30 on Saturday. Uh, 8 o'clock Saturday night is Chiefs Dolphins from Arrowhead. That's Tyreek Hill back to Arrowhead. Again, we saw these teams meet in Germany earlier this season. And then Sunday's triple header is this. As Mark said, Pittsburgh at Buffalo, Dallas hosting the Packers. Those are two touchdown favorites for the home teams in Buffalo and Dallas. And the nightcap, Matthew Stafford back to Detroit for that one. Obviously a juicy storyline there. And then we will round out Wild Card Weekend with Eagles and Bucks on Monday. That'll be ESPN. That'll be a little Manning cast action there. You have a strong thought on any of these games? Like someone you're saying, okay, this team's definitely winning. This team's definitely losing. Anything? Any of these stick out to you? Would Bills over Steelers probably be the first one? I am very like into CJ Stroud versus Joe Flacco. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, like, yeah. oh, it's imagine hilarious. saying that two and a half months ago. I got Cleveland in that game. And that's a, that, that's a coin flip game yep, right sure now with where those two teams are at. Um, what Kansas City shows up, what Miami shows up in a game that could be freezing cold. Well, that's why you can't take Miami so in the is cold, that, can you? you know, Isaiah Pacheco running yeah, it. You I mean, know, yeah. Can Miami run it all? Um, and and you know, Cowboys-Packers, I mean, selfishly, I, I've got the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, so I've got a financial stake in that, Oof. but... Oof. Is there anything there? Mike McCarthy? <laughs> Matt LaFleur? I, I hope there's Jordan Mark, Love on the road? I, I hope there's something there from Dallas Jordan Love and Dallas is a touchdown favorite? That's our highest over-under, that, by the way. The I also think people keep forgetting. They're like, oh, Matthew Stafford returns to take on his old team. Well, Jared Goff is facing his old team, too. People keep forgetting yeah. that he was well, part no of that deal. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. the home element, of course. But they got rid of Jared Goff because they didn't think he could win the Super Bowl. So maybe he wants a little revenge on there, too. I, 